Welcome to the Elevate the Edge podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez of Lopez Research, and I'm joined with my co-host, Joe Peterson of Clarify 360. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Elevate the Edge is published bi-weekly. The podcast focuses on helping companies understand what edge computing is, how the market will evolve, and what you need to know to build successful edge computing strategies. Show notes and subscription links can be found at elevatetheedge.com slash episodes. We hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Elevate the Edge podcast. I am Maribel Lopez and I'm joined with my fabulous co-host, Joe Peterson. Hey, Joe. Hey, Maribel. And we're excited here today to have with us Chris Pearson. Uh, Chris is the president of 5G Americas. Um, He is basically responsible for the overall planning of the organization and providing management for the integration of the strategy and operations. Um, Basically, uh, 5G Americas helps with a lot of the technology, marketing, public relations, and regulatory affairs related to 5G. I remember when 5G Americas was called 4G Americas. Uh, <laughs> I joke with people that, you know, we'll be at 30G Americas one day. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we'll be at 30G Americas someday, but I won't be there. I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> We're, not nice. We're not moving that fast. We're not moving that fast. I don't know, but it's moving a lot faster than it was. So, Chris, welcome to the program. Oh, uh, well, thanks for having me. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to be here and talk to you. So, Chris, first question for you. From a benefits perspective, why is 5G different than 4G? I think it's uh, how it was architected. You know, if, you, if you consider that when, when the standards were developed, we looked at our experience with 3G and even 4G. And really, if you look at those technologies, it was a lot about uh, really just kind of providing faster download speeds or f- faster uh, mobile broadband speeds. So when the when when 3GPP and everyone got together and, and it is a consensus driven organization for the standards uh, and which would obviously be the architecture, uh, it was decided that this was going to be about, you know, not just about doing something faster, but there had to be some reasoning behind it. We had to look at uh, applications and use cases and what were the, the areas that we could focus on to make the, the technology of mobile communications uh, better and not just better and faster, although we did that. And that's one of the key uh, areas that's being used. But really, I think it was just the overall strategy of going about how we're going to develop a standard that would be a worldwide standard and get used in a different way than before. Gotcha. Well, are there things like latency that are different with 5G than 4G? Yeah. So um, if if you consider you know, three main areas and all three of them are different. Um, and latency is a great one that you just brought up. So latency, uh, you know, previously, you know, in 4G, um, you know, it, it, it really would depend. Um, and I mean, there's there's goals and objectives of latency and then there's actual real time performance. But just as an example, uh, the 4G latency goal was as low as low as 10 milliseconds. And, uh, you know, that was a goal, but there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, including the backhaul and things like that. Um, the, the goal of 5G was to get it as low as one millisecond. Now, we haven't hit that. Um, but, you know, realistically, you are uh, much higher than both of those. But it gives you an idea of how the architect was set, architecture was set up to be able to basically uh, really um, try to really go after the, the fact that you have a lot lower latency. They did the same thing for download speeds. Um, download speeds 
you know, were increased uh, significantly between 4G and 5G. And finally, the, the, the number of IoT or, uh, you know, massive, uh, you know, IoT devices that it can support. So those are the kind of the three areas that uh, the architecture and the standards are supporting. Now, real life, um, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, 5G being one gigabit per second on a download or something, you're not there. But think about it. You you're really can get to about 100 megabits per second. Sometimes I've been in uh, cities where I've gotten even more. So it just depends on a lot of factors. But um, we're, we're making you know progress on all fronts. That sounds cool. Yeah, and actually, speaking of progress, that's that's a, a great lead into my question. You know, I feel that we were just talking about the speed and that we've seen great progress with the operators in deploying 5G. It's gone much faster than some of the other generations we've looked at. But can you give the audience some sense of where we are on the deployment curve? And you know, should I be thinking about this as differing via geography? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And we work, uh, you know, we work on the, the deployment uh, numbers and statistics with our partners, and um, it, it really depends on, you know, the parts of the world and also even the geography of how many countries are in a certain area. But I think it'd be good. I'll, I'll just kind of go over, like, if you go over, like, the U.S. and Canada, we have 14 5G deployments. Uh, Latin America, 25 commercial deployments. Europe, 101. Uh, Asia, Pacific, 46. Middle East, 22, Africa, eight, Oceania, uh, eight. And it all adds up to, you know, global 5G deployments of 224 uh, worldwide. And we forecast by, by the end of this year, we'll have 313 commercial deployments. And these are all 5G commercial deployments based on 3GPP standards. So we're making a, a lot of progress. Now, when we say deployments, things uh, that just mean, means that a, an operator has deployed the technology, has devices available and service available. What it doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, reflect upon is where we are on the kind of the, the curve as far as being more toward a mass market in certain regions or certain countries. Because certain regions and certain countries um, are are really um, providing most of kind of the connections that you see reported by 5G Americas um, as far as you know, each you know how the technology is is doing as far as getting in the hands of the the consumer or the enterprise or, or so forth. Yeah, and I, and I can if you want I can kind of mention some of those areas. I mean the the bulk of the connections that you see when you talk about actually five G connections or being you know being in the hands of of, of consumers um, that really probably would be considered you know the areas of uh, North America, uh, uh, Western Europe, and um, you know then you know the 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 Asia Pacific region, and those would be where you would you would say you know that's where the the numbers uh, of connections come come through. Um, for first quarter of 2022, as an example, North America was at 81 million connections. Uh, Oceania, East Southeast Asia was at 568 million, and then Western Europe was at. 38 million. And, and that's the kind of the bulk right now of actual 5G uh, in the hands of kind of enterprise and, 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 and consumers. But the deployments is going on everywhere. It's just different areas of the world. Um, you know, it's being uptake. The, the uptake is different. You know, it's funny, Chris, when I think about what you've just said, I think about the art of the possible 
And it brings me to commercial deployments in my head. And I think about one of the, in my mind at least, one of the big wins for 5G isn't just about faster than 4G, but it's more about the possibilities of what it allows that commercial deployment company to do and how it can differentiate them in the market. Um, maybe it's a vertical specificity like you know, smart cities or manufacturing or automotive. I'm sure you're familiar with some of the cooler use cases. Can you talk to us about one of them? Yeah. So, so yeah, when it comes to 5G, as, as far as like where we are uh, in deployments and connections, we're probably in the, probably the, the third or fourth inning, again, as far as like connections and deployments. When it comes to the applications, we might be in the second or third inning. We're just starting to see the possibilities of of basically what can happen when you start looking at the various opportunities with a lower latency and, and more more download and upload speeds and, and things like that. Some of the use cases that that we've seen uh, really are uh, you know manufacturing where the manufacturer is starting to look at okay right now my manufacturing floor has a lot of cables in it and also I'm using uh, maybe my unlicensed spectrum and I want to have uh, higher speeds, more control, better you know, better security, and less cables. We also see smart city situations where uh, cities are starting to look at 5G on various things that they can support that they haven't been able to support because of how many devices uh, and how many sensors that can be connected. So we're starting to see, uh, um, you know, our operators and vendors start working with them. So, you know, what what we're looking at is just really at the tip of the iceberg or the very beginning stages when it comes to the applications and use cases, because 5G is a game changer in what we do and how we do it. Uh, and so it's, it's even though I say, you know, overall, we're in the third or fourth inning, uh, when it comes to applications and use cases, we're probably in the second or third inning, because uh, this is all new to some of these industries and verticals. And we are uh, in the middle, you know, 5G Americas of writing some white papers about that opportunity. We wrote one last year about the opportunity with enterprise applications. And we're going to be writing another one this year to really uh, kind of make sure that we're educating everybody about what the possibilities are. I know I'm pretty excited about, you know, we were talking earlier about that low latency concept. And I think that really opens up some very interesting opportunities for new applications. But you're right. We are at the beginning, I think. We're trying to basically get to the part where we feel we have ubiquitous deployments and, you know, it takes a while for application providers to figure out how they might want to leverage a, a technology such as 5G. And one of the other things that we're starting to hear about is this concept of private 5G. And I know that some people are confused by that. Could you maybe give us a little bit of insight into what that is and should companies be considering it? Yeah, a great question because uh, you know private five G or private five G enterprise. It's 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 a term being used a lot, and it actually can mean different things to different people. But overall, what you're looking at is uh, an enterprise um, utilizing the five G standard technology. Uh, so that'd be the equipment, uh, devices, sensors, whatever it might be, to help them actually do their business better. Um, and what's interesting about it, it can be truly you know, private and it can be run uh, by the actual enterprise, 
or it could be run by the operator where you have a slice or network slice that is helping that enterprise run better and then manages everything. Or it can be a hybrid and it could be a hybrid with who manages it. It could be a hybrid with who's licensed, whether you use licensed and or unlicensed spectrum. So there's a lot of possibilities, but really the, 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 the crux of it all is it's utilizing the 5G technology, the 5G economies of scale and really looking at new ways to do it for an enterprise. And so most of the enterprises today, uh, if you look at it, there's a lot of cable. So they you know, obviously uh, have broadband maybe. They also use unlicensed. But when it comes to the capabilities of 5G standards and what it can do as far as you know, the, this global ecosystem of, of sensors, devices, connections, security, uh, this is kind of a new thing uh, for enterprises to start to look at that opportunity. No, that makes a lot of sense. We're um, like so many things. I know Joe has spent a lot of time speaking with companies about cloud computing and, you know, we're just starting to talk to companies about 5G, but all of these are, you, as you mentioned, the definition of what you're talking about, you need to spend the first 10 minutes of any call just defining like, well, when you say blah, blah, what do you mean? So yeah, uh, private oh, yeah. 5G fits into that for sure. Actually, uh, it's almost like uh, redefining like what what is low band spectrum now or high band spectrum, you know. I mean, 5G never used uh, or or our industry never used millimeter wave spectrum. So when you start talking about what the definition of something uh, five years ago versus today, it changes. But I think that's a great point that, uh, you know, there are lots of things being ta- discussed with uh, 5G and private enterprise. And I think there's a great opportunity there. So from where you're sitting today, what are some of the main factors that are impacting the 5G network rollout? I mean, is it architecture, spectrum, standards, technologies? You know, where, you know, what are some of the big rocks we still have yet to overcome? Well, there's a few things, that, and a lot of it depends on where you are in the world. Um, there is, you know, I would say, first say there is great progress uh, in 5G. If you look at the, the statistics uh, by themselves, it's the fastest growing uh, mobile communication generational technology ever. So it's faster than it's been growing at a faster rate than 1G, 2G, 3G or 4G. And that says something about you know, you know, the amount of progress when it comes to, you know, things like standards uh, and architecture that is moving along at a very good pace, considering specifically with the pandemic, um, 3GPP was doing standards work without any, any live meetings for the first time you know, ever. Uh, and they still got release 17 done, which uh, brings in some new enhancements. Uh, but probably that, that one of the key areas that um, continues to be a little bit of a stumbling block would be getting spectrum. Uh, and this would be internationally harmonized uh, spectrum uh, um, in the hands of operators um, in different parts of the world. So um, it's been a little bit of a stumbling block. I mean, I think most countries and, and regions are making progress on that. But what you see is when when you when when uh, a regulator or a, a country goes out and uh, identifies, allocates and auctions off spectrum, then when it's in the hands of an operator, they're ready to make that investment in 5G. And then once that happens, that kind of spurs things, obviously, to providing service offerings and devices and things like that. The second stumbling block block I see is in certain parts of the world. uh, And then, you know, the need for mass communications devices and sensors and things like that that are that are at a price point uh, that can get to the mass market. 
So as an example, I, I mentioned, you know, Latin America, because it's one of the areas that we cover. They have 25 uh, uh, 5G deployments. They're waiting for more spectrum. Uh, but at the same time, uh, they're recovering from, you know, kind of the economic uh, crisis of 2008, 2009. And then pa the pandemic hit in 2020. Uh, and so what it is, is we need devices at price points that can uh, help the, the, the 5G uh, get in the hands of more citizens of, of that region. And the same goes for some of these other regions. So that's just my example. But overall, I think we're making a lot of progress, uh, more spectrum in the hands of, uh, you know, uh, the operators uh, from the from the regulators. And then also just the mass uh, massification of 5G uh, would be would be a key for for uh, devices and sensors and these types of things. So, Chris, if I heard you correctly, in terms of adoption of 5G, uh, we're in the second inning and we're moving into the third. Did, did I get that right? Uh, for the applications and use cases, I would be, yeah, between the second and third inning. Overall, for deployments and connections, I'd say we're moving toward the fourth inning. Yeah. Okay. So I've heard rumblings of 6G. Ah, yeah. Ah, what should <laughs> we know about that? And when will it really matter to the average business? Uh, you know, it's a great, great question because uh, there is a lot of research going on with 6G by the academics. Um, and also, you know, many companies are starting to look at that from a research and academic side. But, you know, from an average company, um, I would really focus on 5G and 5G Advance, which is the enhancements that are coming to it. Um, probably 6G, if I was to put my crystal ball cap on, which I don't like to do too often, I think you're looking at really a, you know, a, a 2030 uh, time frame. Um, to, you know, to kind of put it in perspective from a standard standpoint, uh, we're working on release 18 at 3GPP right now. And uh, probably the first inkling of a 6G type of standard or something would probably be something like a release 21, 22, uh, probably discussion at 3GP and release 20, uh, 3GP release 20. So without getting too technical, I would say probably if I'm an average business, I would go back to say, you know, probably focus on 5G and all the great stuff about 5G enhancements, but uh, it would probably be 2030 before I would be looking at anything with the 6G. And if I'm a business, if I'm not looking at 5G, uh, I would know this, uh, my, cus my, my, my competitor is probably looking at 5G. So I wouldn't sit there and wait for 6G. I'd be really focusing on what 5G can do for my business and for my customers. So what you're saying to me is that your crystal ball cap is 5G enabled. <laughs> You're calling me. Uh, yeah. If you want to, yeah. If you want to call me intelligent like that, then yeah, I would say, yeah. I, I, like, well, like, I am. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, president saying. Of five, I'm president of 5G Americas, uh, not 6G Americas. And uh, so, yeah, I would say definitely, and not 30G Americas, as uh, Maribel said. So I would say, uh, you know, I would de definitely focus on 5G uh, because there's so many great things that are happening with it. And 6G uh, really is going to be uh, a long ways away. Awesome. Yeah, Chris just doesn't want to have to go through the whole logo branding exercise. <laughs> went from 4G to 5G, it was like, oh, we got to get notebooks. So, you know, here we are. Yeah, so yeah. Exactly. Clear the inventory, right? Yeah, exactly. No kidding. <laughs> Love it. 
Love it. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time and your insight. And we look forward to the progress that you're delivering um, with the other folks in the standards bodies to give us 5G in a way that's meaningful and can change our business. So thanks again. Yeah. Thank you for having me and have a great summer. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe so you can easily find us again. Follow us on Twitter at Maribel Lopez and at Digital Cloud Gal and on LinkedIn. Links to our social profiles, show notes, and ways to listen to the podcast can be found at elevatetheedge.com. <laughs>